One of the reasons in this era of the total reconstruction of systems of social contact like church and bars and restaurants going through a total reconstruction, we are not trying to rebuild the Southbrook pre-pandemic. We are building a new place. There's some things that are similar, but we are building a new place. And one of those is we are turning this place into a, uh, a facility that the other five, six days a week will meet students and families way, where they are in regard to performance-based anxiety. If you are around a student at all, you know that it's just shooting through the roof. That the, the issues of anxiety, depression, and fear are just rampant. COVID really didn't change things as much as it exposed what was already there. And I don't know that there could be a better time than today to look at the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at. Uh, once again, we're making a pretty quick trip through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the reason is our mission as a church is to connect people to Christ, not religion. We're not trying to be a place that people look at and go, oh, they're so spiritual, they're so religious. We're trying to be a place where people go, man, if you want to know, find out about Jesus, that's your place to go. And so we're looking at this introduction of Jesus' vision to the world that started with his disciples where he said, I didn't come to improve religion. I came to fulfill all that and to move past it. And so we've been in this series that today is week five. What is life beyond religion? Because that's the life Jesus promised. And imagine you have been sitting there listening to him and we've We've walked through how he looked at those who were poor in spirit, the spiritually bankrupt, and he said, when my righteousness, the Greek word is dikaiousene, is flowing into your life, it won't be that you won't get angry, but you'll never want to hold on to anger. You'll, you'll actually have the goodness to flush that out. It won't be that you'll never be tempted to lust, but you'll be able to overcome it, not by saying don't lust, don't lust, don't lust, but flushing it out with my goodness, marital disagreement and unhappiness, hatred for your enemies, you know, all that stuff. He says, you'll be able to flush all that out. He said, my goodness will allow you to live so securely that you won't have to image manage anymore. You won't have to live for the approval of the crowds and what people's opinions. You'll be set free from that. Now imagine you're sitting there and you're going, I, I, I want this. But the thought may occur to you, if I commit myself fully to this, that means some changes are going to happen in my life. And who's going to take care of me? When I was in college, I was trying to determine, what am I going to do with my life? And I deduced something that has been, become more conviction in me down through the years, and that was that the greatest force of eternal good in the world was the local church. There's no place that brokers eternal value and substance like the local church. And so I got this dream to be a part of building a church for Christ and of Christ because no matter all its flaws, the local church was the place where, where families get leadership and structure which gives structure to communities, to states, to countries. And many times during that period, our kids would ask the question, Dad, why did you do this again? 
Because quite candidly, they, one of the reasons people don't understand what pastors' children live with is, is you, they live with, is, why, why is this worth this? Tell us again. Because there's a high cost to any leadership. And many, many times we've had to go back and go, okay, again, why are we doing this? And who's going to take care of us if this doesn't work? And that's the question that, that I think Jesus anticipated as we get to Matthew chapter 6. Deep in the middle of this, he's anticipating. He can look at his audience and he can see that they're questioning, okay, I want to do this, but am I going to be living in a van down by the river? Who, who, you know, if I, if I sell out to this, who's going to take care of me? And so he looks at them, anticipating this, I believe, and he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, why did he say that at that moment? It's because, look at the word store up. It's the Greek word therosazete. Ther thesaurus comes from this word. And thesaurus is the idea of stacking words, right? And therosazete is the idea of stacking stuff up. The implication is I'll build a wall of security with my stuff. That's the, that's the picture. Is don't, don't think that, that, okay, what I'll do to offset this risky faith journey is I'll just stack stuff around me as a preventative against need and he anticipates this and he looks at this and says oh no 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 don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves and break in and steal this is really interesting he says moths they're going they're going to deteriorate rust the things of this earth are going to depreciate and thieves break in and steal they're going to disappear Everything that, that is physical is subject to erosion, corrosion, and corruption. Every single thing. Uh, you know, right now, think about this. Would you look at this? As you sit here, your car in that parking lot is depreciating. <laughs> think about this. Your car will be less when you leave church today than when you came in. Isn't that a comforting thought? What if I said, you know what, we so want you to own this today. We want you to feel this. That what we did is we wanted to, to, to get you to feel this and make that push. So we instructed our staff to go out and take keys and put a scratch on the driver's side of every door, of every, every car in the parking lot. So that, so that when you walk out of here, you'll look at that and go, see, I don't care. I don't care. Now, at the thought of that, some of you are having a nosebleed right now. Like you are going, and then others of you are going, hope it matches the one on the other side, right? But if you're like me, you know, I would be more on the nosebleed side. What? Because why? Because it's human nature to treasure certain things. I am a treasurer of things. I, I have so many interests. Anyone who's ever been in my basement knows I just have, I just have all these interests. And, and uh, I just got my hands on a 3D printer. That's like, that's like giving a great vintage of whiskey to a drunk, man. I mean, that's what are you doing? So, so I get this. 
He says, don't think that you can stack up enough stuff that you'll be secure. Because that's not going to do the job. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true, isn't it? That the more stuff you stack, the more you worry about losing that stuff. We, we, we are the first culture in history that has to have uh, secure storage facilities. <laughs> Think about that. We don't have enough room in our houses. We have to stuff stuff made to stuff stuff. It's incredible. And so, uh, you know, when you have more, that you have more to lose. I've told this before, but it is so me. I so get this. Uh, I have a pastor friend, Bob Russell, he's retired now, but he had a guy in his church who was a school teacher. And, you know, school teachers don't make the most money, but he loved Corvettes. He loved Corvettes. So the school teacher, he saved up for years so that he could get a Corvette. And he got a beautiful red Corvette. And uh, one night there at a church softball game, and a hailstorm breaks out. And he's in the outfield, this teacher's in the outfield, and the hail breaks out, and he goes running across the outfield. And they say, where are you going? To my car! <laughs> and so this guy's teacher, this, this educated, smart teacher, jumps onto the top of his car and spreads out to just keep it from getting hit by hail. Is that not the picture? Like, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. That's exactly, I, I wouldn't drive the car except on a perfectly sunny day because why? I, I, would want to, I would want in some way to deny the depreciation, the deterioration, and the disappearing that happens with all things. All things. A few people ac accused us, me, of being flippant during COVID, and it wasn't that. It was that I'm very aware, Ann Voskamp wrote a, a great piece on this this week, that that all things start from dust and return to dust, including you and me. We're just dust bunnies. That's all we are. We're going to end up under a bed someday as dust bunnies. And so uh, years before COVID ever hit, <clears throat> I read this book by Barbara Ironwright called Natural Causes, in which she, scientist, she's a scientist. She shows that if one letter of one chromosome goes off in your body, you've got terminal cancer. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear all this good news? We're going to dent your car. And, uh, but but, but I, I would tell people, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not that I don't think COVID's dangerous. It's that life was dangerous before COVID. Life was fragile before COVID. It will be fragile after COVID. Do you realize how fragile life is that it, a moth can kill you if you swallow it wrong? Okay? I mean... And, and your body is rusting. Remember the guy who, who tried to appear younger by putting braces on his false teeth? I mean, you, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you, but, but we're all in a process of dust. And so look what he says. He goes, he goes, but store up, stack for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now let me just shorten this for you. What are treasures in heaven? Look around you. You're looking at treasures that God wants in heaven. It's people. The real interesting thing. He says all the time we're converting. 
stuff. We all are. A lot of us convert temporary stuff to get more temporary stuff to get more temporary stuff. He said, that's fine. Enjoy that. But if that's what's going to build security for you, then you're building uh, a, a susceptible to moths type security. <laughs> okay? But treasures in heaven, smart people convert stuff into people. Smart people convert stuff into souls. They convert stuff into the things God treasures. And what God treasures, Deuteronomy 32.9, the Lord's portion, the Lord's reward is his people. That's what God treasures. God treasures little kids. God treasures you. You matter to God. And so the best use of my resources is not just buying more treasures, treasuring. The best use is to do what I can to turn my life's resources into people. For where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. If you don't have any money invested in the stock market, you don't care about the stock market. But if you have a lot of money invested in the stock market, your heart goes there every morning. Your heart goes there. Why? Because you have something there that you treasure. Look at what he says then. He goes, I can tell you what you're going to be a year from now, gang. Because the eye, what you focus on, is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Real interesting thing is he's using a picture of wherever you focus, is it on the light of eternity or is in the increasing darkness of this world, then your soul will get lighter or your soul will get darker. And this is a real interesting thing because the word that we've looked at, dikaiusene, is a light bearing word. It's the idea of God's goodness. I see the evidence of your goodness, the light of your life, all over my life, all over my life. I see that. And the more you focus on that, light comes into you. Because the lamp is the source of the, of the light, right? It's the medium by which the light goes into the world. And what you focus on you can tell a person what they're focusing on today, what they'll be in a year, two years from now. Is your life going to get darker or is it going to get more light bearing and light emanating? It's all about our focus. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Why is that? It's because... If I say money and stuff is my master, the fundamental priorities it takes to increase that are almost always in juxtaposition against the fundamental priorities it takes to increase the light of God into your life. To increase in money, it means i got to focus on things that are temporary and fragile to, to increase the light of God in my life. And that's my major investment. It means I focus on those things that are not immediate, they're not urgent, but they're eternal in nature and they pay off in the long term. This is why the first commandment God gave to his people was to have no other gods before me. Is it, because God, is it because God is insecure? He's an insecure God and he's jealous in the sense that this is the, you know, this is the word that turned Oprah Winfrey off to her faith was the word, I am a jealous God. It wasn't that God's petty. It's that some relationships are meant to be primary, aren't they? Some relationships. How, how many of you, it really would have gone well on your wedding day if you'd have said, now I'm marrying you today, but I want you to know there are four other people who are more important to me than you are. <laughs> how well would that have gone? They say, you know what, I love you, but my mom and dad are more important to me than you are. I wouldn't have gone well. 
And Jesus is saying here, I mean, he, he is saying, I don't want you to dip your foot into the kiddie pool. I'm asking you to take the plunge. And because why? It's because the only way this works is for you to take that full, I'm throwing my heart into converting stuff into eternity. And Jesus is my brokerage firm. He's the one who actually does the conversion. Every single time that we do an offering around here, we're reminded of how God can take our hard-earned cash and turn it into kids and people. We crossed a million dollars four months into the Players Box Project, friends. Okay, now I don't know if you know what's going on in churches right now, but we're just on our knees in thanks to God because this church is doing really well because of you. You have given a million dollars to renovating this place so that we can serve kids six days a week. And why? It's because we get to sit back and see God take our money and turn it in to suicide prevention. And peace and confidence and love for God. See what he's, I mean, think about that. You want to talk about your life mattering is when you're a part of making sure that students are cared for in the context of this incredible pressures that are happening in our world today. So he then says, verse 25, don't, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Think about it. Food, fitness, and fashion. Are, if, you, if you didn't have to worry about those three things, you wouldn't worry, would you? Now think about it. He's not writing to people who have DVRs and PCs and ATVs. And MTV, I mean, he doesn't have, like, they don't even have BVDs back in that day, man. They don't have, they have nothing of what we have. And he's saying, he's saying, hey, listen, listen, don't reduce your life. This is the big thing about this passage. This passage is really about the seduction of stuff and the reduction of self. He said, I've taken care of all the big stuff. Now live, would you? Don't worry about the stuff that doesn't matter. Take care of yourself. One of the things I loved about Barbara Ehrenreich's book, Natural Causes, was she says, I eat well. I, I, I exercise. But she says, if you get to the point in life when you could die, you're wasting your time eating bark and branches all the time because you could die any minute now anyway. And she, this is exactly Jesus. He says, it's not that I don't want you to take care of yourself. I just want you to know that life wasn't, I didn't, I'm not going to die for you so that you can reduce your life down to food, fashion, and fitness. It's more than that. And it would literally, here's what many of us do to God. We are literally like the person that the surgeon takes all this care to operate on our heart. And the surgeon gives a brand new heart to us who, a heart that works and it's like amazing and then we're not sure that she is going to, to, to give us a room where we're going to be able to be comfortably in recovery and that she's going to provide the food that we have to have. And the surgeon, if, if, you, if you started doubting whether the, she's going to care for you, whether she's going to take care of your needs after doing all this major heart surgery, wouldn't the surgeon look at you and go, do you realize what I just did? Do you think I'm going to let all this other stuff slip now? 
And Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't reduce your life. You, you just had heart surgery. I'm putting a new heart of flesh inside your being. Don't be reductionary. One of the biggest things we tell students in Players Box is uh, the message I try to get across to parents in particular is from that great documentary about summer camp, Meatballs. Do anybody remember that date? <laughs> The great documentary about summer camp meatballs where Bill Murray's character says, it just doesn't matter. One time with me. Come on. just It just doesn't matter. Like you think that. I, I was told of a coach this week who's, who's watching film with his little Centerville Hustle third grade team. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Okay, and that's what Jesus is getting at. Oh my gosh, don't reduce your life. He says, look, look. He says, in life, life, not more than food, than the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And you, and your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry by worrying add a single hour to your life? Think of the birds. Do you know that a bird has to eat three times its body weight every day to survive? Now, if you had to eat three times your body weight every day, you would worry, wouldn't you? You would worry. You would go, oh my gosh, i got to go down to the aviary savings and loan and get a loan to, to, for the grocery bill this week. i got to do, i got to, but you don't, have you ever seen a skinny bird? I've never seen a skinny bird. I've never seen a malnourished bird. Why? Because birds go, you know what? The creator has plenty of worms. In the great circle of life, he's provided plenty of food. And by worrying about whether or not there's going to be enough worm in the ground for, for my sustenance, you know, I, I don't need to worry about that. And I got to, you know, it'd be the equivalent of every day, you got to find 300 pounds of food. Like that would worry you. You would worry about that. But he says, hey, wait, wait a minute. And I remember, remember, they, they, they didn't have what we have. <laughs> okay, so remember, if anyone could say, well, wait a minute, we're those people living in Africa right now that, that, that we, we, you know, we're living day to day, and, and this is who he's talking to, let alone us. Oh, my gosh. Verse 28, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, Mr. GQ himself, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the, the lavender of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Like God's not blessing you in reciprocity to your abundance of faith. As, as, as things go, you're like a little kid. You don't have a lot of faith. And God still takes care of you. So he says in verse 31, so don't worry saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? Or what should we wear? Think about how much time is spent in your family going, are we going to go to Archer's? Or are we going to go to La Pinata? Or are we going to, you know, and then we get in a fight about it. Because I don't know, I ate at Archer's for lunch. I don't want to, you know. I mean, we, think about how much time we spend on things that really don't matter. I think sometimes you decide to go to a place you don't like just so you'll be grateful for that, don't you? <laughs> just go someplace where they just serve. Like when I was a kid, I, I, I just hated mayonnaise. Anybody with me? I, just, I hated mayonnaise. I've taught myself to love mayonnaise now because I got tired of ordering things where I had to order it without mayonnaise. So I just made myself. But, but if you hate mayonnaise, go someplace where they make you eat the mayonnaise. <laughs> just so you'll be grateful for that. And in verse 31, he says, For the pagans run after these things. 
people without God in their life, it makes sense for them to worry. It makes sense because they have chosen to be on their own, even though God's common grace takes amazing care of us, doesn't it? And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first, seek first his rule in your life. That's whenever you see kingdom, it's, it's I, was, I was once outside his rule, but I have stepped into his effective range of his rule. Seek that first. And his dikaiousene, his righteousness, his goodness, seek that first. And all these things will be given you as well. It doesn't mean that your financial bottom line will go up. It means that less will make you joyful. Rich is not how much you have. Rich is how much it takes to make you joyful. And what you'll find is it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And everybody said... Amen. Every day's fragile. Every day you wake up. Life is fragile. So look at these questions. Because when it comes to treasures, when it comes to the stuff we stack to get security, which remember, what did I tell you is the word that is the thread running all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, security. That's the thread you'll see like a white minivan. After you've bought a white minivan, you'll see it all over the Sermon on the Mount. When it comes to the treasures we're dealing with, the fundamental structure of our soul, what am I basing my security upon? Is the life that I am living right now in this physical, temporary, fragile realm going to be built with eternal materials? That's the fundamental question. The reason we worry is we are trained to put our security in stuff. The reason we don't have to is we can increasingly build a life that is made out of stuff that will last beyond this world. That's why you don't need to worry. The reasons children are conditioned for anxiety today is they are told your worth is based on your ACT score. It's based on that, like, like we don't say that right off. We say as parents, we just want them to be happy, but we want them to get into, you know, As I've said, many parents actually want their child to get into Harvard more than they want heaven to get into their child. That's the truth. And so, what's your conversion? That's the issue. We are all converting resources all the time. You do it every single day. The question is, are you putting temporary stuff into temporary stuff into temporary stuff, or do you have an appropriate percentage of your life that is building the eternal the way scripture puts this is that some people build with wood hay and straw it'll be consumed by the fire it'll be consumed by the fire some people are building with gold and silver and what happens to gold and silver when it goes through a fire it gets pure it gets stronger and the with god life that jesus is giving this kingdom is now available to you right now Right now, as you're a college student, as you're a high school student, it is available right now through Jesus. The kingdom of eternity is available to you right now. Where's your focus? Because if you'll seek first in priority my rule and my goodness, life will end up taking care of itself. And you will sing someday, the evidence of your goodness is all over my life. That's what you'll say. 
Dallas Willard said, if we value money and things as normal people seem to think we should, our fate is fixed. Our fate is anxiety. Our fate is worry. It is frustration. But that does not have to be the fate of our lives. The Message Bible translates Matthew 6.33. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life into God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Think about your week coming up. Think about how you can leverage everything you do where your goal is to be steeped in the God who is present right now. That even in everything I do, what I'm really doing is everything, my recreation, my work, is I'm, I'm steeping myself into the reality of God with a focus on his rule, with a focus on his goodness, and everything becomes a means by which I receive that and give it and receive that and give it and receive that and give it. And let me give you four things, four steps you can take to make sure that happens. This is really simple. Many of you know this, but every once in a while we need to remind it. Start with, if you want to live the Matthew 6.33 life, give God the first minutes of every day. One of the things we teach our Players Box students is literally neurologically, neurologically, you cannot, your brain cannot experience anxiety and gratitude at the same time. It literally cannot. So if you start your day and before your feet hit your floor, you're thanking God. You're thanking God. Some people wake up and say, good, good morning, Lord. Other people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. Which is it going to be with you? Because if you wake up going, oh, geez, I got it, I got it, I got it. Or, no, I get to go to school today because a lot of the world doesn't get to go to school. I get to go to work to pay you have the money to pay for the house that I just woke up. I mean, it all, it's all about, are you filling your mind with the goodness of God through gratitude? Because if you start your life that way, it'll tend to orient yourself that way. A huge, huge thing that has been discovered in neurology in recent years is, you are your own brain surgeon. You literally are. The way you think changes your brain literally, literally. So if you think, man, God is good to me. God's good to me. It's amazing how that'll begin to change your brain. You know why that's important? Is because the natural state of the human brain is chaos and anxiety. Did you know that? If you leave a human brain alone, it will go toward anxiety and chaos. It's, 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 a, it's a, a mechanism of survival. We, that that we, we, we survive by being afraid of the bear in the woods. But that's not any way to live, is it? Give God the first minutes of every day. Next, give God the first day of every week. And why this is important, what you're doing right now, is the priority of saying, I will gather with people who are going the same direction I'm going. Here's why. Is if you want to be more anxious, some of you are saying, you know what, I'm way too relaxed in life. I'm way too relaxed in life. You're not now. You know, that just scared you to death, didn't it? Yeah. I'm way too relaxed. I want to be anxious. I know exactly the way to be anxious. Be around anxious people. Just hang around anxious people. Hang around people who chew their nails to the nub, who are just freaking out all the time because you are 
the people you hang around. And one of the values of saying, I, you know, the word church literally means the gathering. One of the things about the gathering is, hey, I, I'm with an army of people that when life hits, there are people going the same direction I'm going. They're, 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 I mean, I'm with people who want to live this with God life. Number three, give God the first fruits of your income. Reason that's critical is don't give God the leftovers. Give God of the thing that can make you live under the illusion of security more than anything else, right? Money is money because it brings power. And it gives the illusion that we're secure. When in fact, it, it can be gone in an instant. It can be gone in an instant. And so the statement, when I, when I seek God first in my income... I'm saying, God, my source of security is not stuff. I'm not going to stack stuff as security. I'm going to convert that into eternal stuff. Number four, give God first place in your decisions. What this means is this, is every time you have a decision to make, say, God, lead me in this. Because what that means is, is I have a bigger, I have a bigger objective with my life than just increasing my stuff. I want to I bring your goodness into this world. That's my priority. How would this opportunity I have bring more of your goodness into this world through my life? I'm going to breathe your goodness in, and then I'm going to breathe it out. That's, that's the basis of my decision making. I had a, a story from our, when our kids were little that is such a picture of this passage. And uh, it, our, Jordan was about four, Austin was about three, they're grown now, but they were little guys, and we were in South Carolina on vacation. Now, Austin, you have to know about Austin, when he was a kid, he, he didn't sleep with a teddy bear, he slept with a football. He literally learned to balance by putting a golf ball in his chubby little hands, in each hand, and that's how he learned to walk, was, was was carrying a golf ball on each hand. Never, you know, just a little fat guy, just you know, carrying the golf balls. And so one day we're we're somewhere in Hilton Head, and we come upon this this McDonald's Playland on steroids. I mean, a menagerie of tunnels and slides, and at the bottom, for Austin, heaven itself, multiple colors of ball. Okay, so he follows his big sister up at the tunnel and his, you know, stairs comes down and he lands in heaven. He is drowning in balls. He has found his place. And, and for a while we don't see him. And the reason is, is because he's trying to pick up as many of the balls as he can. And he's trying, and the more he keeps these balls in his chubby little arms, the more they fall out, and he's getting frustrated. Well, he finally stands up, and he's got this two arms full of balls, and, and this big kid knocks him over. Just, you know how that happens in those, oh, you guys are compassionate. <laughs> and he knocks him over, and he, and, and then, and then he, but he's holding on to his balls, man. He, he's holding on to his red, yellow, orange, green balls, and, and he can't get up. He can't get up. Like he's trying to get up, but he can't get up because he's holding on to these multiple colored balls. And, and, uh, and finally, I, Oz, Sharon, Oz, let go of the balls and you'll be able to get, no, daddy, he says. No, daddy. 
And then I said, oh, let's let go of the balls. You'll be able to get There's plenty of balls there. It'll just, you know, seek first, getting up, and all these balls will be added unto you. Okay? You'll be able to enjoy them. There's no daddy. And so it's, it's totally, I'm not kidding you, totally, I reach in the, the screen, and I almost have his hand, but he's holding on to these balls. And... And on his knees, and, I, and it's totally a scene out of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's where Sean Connery, Indy's dad, is going, Indy, let go, of the, let go, let go, let the grail go, Indy. Indy, let go of the grail. And Indiana Jones is holding onto his hand, but he wants the holy grail that's right here. And Austin wouldn't let go of the balls. So much so that what happened was his righteous father had to go through the tunnel, down the slide... <laughs> And into the balls to save the little pagan from drowning in multiple colored balls. Are you any different? Let's pray. Father, so often we miss out on the eternal security found in you because we won't let go. We live with this scarcity idea that if I give myself fully in an embrace to you, that I, I will lose out on this life. Really, that's the sticking point for many of us in the full plunge into the reality of your rule. But today, you call us to grab your gracious hands and just reach out and say, Father, I believe you are safe. I believe you are my security. I believe that living a life where I'm converting temporary stuff into eternal stuff is the, it, it is the backwards way into a life of security. What we have, we enjoy, but it's not our source of, of meaning and well-being. It's just fun. It's fun to play in our multiple colored playhouse. It's fun. We thank you for those. But that, that, that's not our source of security. And I pray that today that you have called our church to transcend the stuff that we care about so much. And it just doesn't matter. And to know that you have taken care of all the big stuff and what you're telling us in Matthew 6 is go live, my loved one. Go live, my child. I have freed you now to love because I'm taking care of everything that's big and small. So, Father, today we're going to close out by taking of the symbols that say you have given us a soul that is forever you have taken care of the sin that separated us from you, and now we are free to live the eternal kind of life. And we do that now in thanks, in gratitude. We flood our minds with what we have to be grateful for in you. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.